And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. Hey, go. Always appreciate it when you do that because it gives us a little different perspective, a little different insight. Yeah, the things that happen in South Louisiana don't necessarily happen in South Dakota. South Dakota. There you go. (laughs) And vice versa. There you go. I see we got lines lit up already. Let's go to the phone lines with Lawrence. Good morning, Lawrence. Oh, good morning, uh, Mr. Alderson and Mr. Terry. Good yes, morning. I really appreciate y'all taking, well, well, doing the show and taking my call. And, uh, oh, you and bet. I'm really inspired by you guys. Well, I guess the, the question here is, well, I've already thrown some energy at this, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to know the, kind of the best way here that I could diagnose, I believe, maybe frame damage. Okay. What kind of problems are you having, Lawrence? Uh, yes, sir. It, after I had, uh, I mean, I guess I could tell you the story of what happened, but sure. I bumped into something, and ever since then, I'm kind of getting like a vibration. Okay. It's a subtle subtle vibration, and they're driving on a highway, mm-hmm. and it really, it's, it's pretty, like I said, it's pretty subtle. Uh, I'd say about 30 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. I start to kind of, it starts to become a little more pronounced and I mean on up. But I, I want to say it's the vibration is probably there at, even at a lower, or, you know, a, a lower speed. Yes, sir. Lawrence, I'll tell you what I would do first off is see what, if anything, affects the vibration. For instance, you're driving along 30 miles an hour and it's vibrating. If you were to put it into neutral and let it coast at the same speed, is the vibration still there? And you oh. yes, no. Second thing, you may accelerate at that speed. Does it get worse? Does it get better? Or is it on effect? Try applying the brakes and see, does it get worse? Does it get better? By doing a few of those tests, you can pretty much narrow it down to what area or areas are causing it. Yes, sir. Beyond that, you know, most vibrations in that range, that's a fairly low speed, are going to be something fairly large. I would almost suspect a wheel tire kind of a problem. But again, if you're driving at 30 miles an hour, you kick it into neutral and the vibration persists. It does not change. Well, that adds more fuel to that theory. If you accelerate or decelerate, it does not change. Again, more fuel towards a wheel tire problem because something like a drive line or something out of line is generally going to change when you load and unload it. Now, if that is the case, what I would do next is to just simply rotate the tires front to rear and see if it changes. Now, I'm not saying it goes away. It may get worse. It may get better because technically it could be a a back tire that's out of balance. You're barely feeling. You rotate the front, it would get more pronounced. But these are the kind of steps you could take pretty easily yourself without any kind of equipment or any kind of tooling to pretty much narrow that down. Yes, sir. I've actually never tried throwing the truck in neutral while driving. Mm -hmm. I I was actually concerned of you know, transmission issues that could occur. No, no. What you do is just get it up to about 35 or 40, just above the range, let off the gas, shift to neutral, and it'll just start to coast at the same speed. And that's a diagnostic procedure we use quite commonly. I mean, obviously, you can't keep your foot on the accelerator because it's going to race the engine all up and all. But, yeah, it's not going to hurt the car at all. Transmission is just going to do what it's told to do. But, I mean, you can just shift back down drive and just go on about its business from there. Well, okay. Well, in this example, sir, uh, because I'm going to test that, but... uh, Mm -hmm. 
so let's just say I'm going about going 30 mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the drive, put it in neutral. Mm-hmm. Am I just expected to allow it to coast to a stop? Or well, you don't have to coast to a stop. Just see if the vibration changes. And it's going to start to slow down immediately because of the inertia is going to start to die out and the yes. resistance is going to slow you down. And it, it's not going to stop immediately. It's going to continue to coast. So it'll go from 35 to 34 to 33 to 32. Yeah. By then, you've gotten the information you need. It. Just drop it back in the drive and continue on about your way. Okay, and so we're saying if if it continues to uh, to vibrate yeah. at that speed, then more likely uh, it's going to be something like a wheel tire, something that turns all the time, is speed related and not drive line related, because things in the drive line like the motor, the transmission, the drive shaft, the rear end are generally going to change when you load and unload them, which is what you're doing going neutral to drive. Oh, okay, okay. So, so that, that uh, one little it, simple test is going to give you a lot of insight as to where to start looking. Okay, so suppose it doesn't continue to vibrate, mm-hmm. then you think it might be it's something drive line related now you'd have to narrow it down from there the next thing i would do is note the rpm of the engine when it's occurring as well as the mile per hour then at home just put it in neutral bring it to that rpm and see if you can duplicate the vibration sitting still now if you can then you're into something that's turning with the vehicle sitting still like the engine transmission torque converter those sorts of things if you cannot then you can eliminate all those you know you're into something that's rotating only when you're rolling so it's just a series of simple tests that you would use and then depending on what you find from that test is going to put you into a different direction which is kind of the way all diagnosis goes it's not a straight line it's, it's sort of like a tree and you start to climb a tree, you go up one branch, and then it takes you to another branch, takes you to another branch. That's kind of the way diagnosis works on, on anything, much less, you know, vibration. Yes, sir. Could, could I give you a little more detail of uh, what I tried and, and uh, just mm-hmm. tell me if you think maybe sure. this is part of the problem? I had actually, because uh, I was checking the alignment, because, you know, Firestone, they did that lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I went there, they did it, and it, I guess it felt okay, but after a while, I started to feel that vibration, mm-hmm. and I, I took it back again, and this, the second time, it was even worse. Like, it, it just, right when I was driving, it was real bumpy feeling, mm-hmm. and, and then the last time I was there, the guy had told me that they suspected a problem with the rear thrust angle is what they were telling me, and I, I didn't well, know so much that, about that. Well, that's all well and good, Lawrence, except that alignment will not vibrate, not ever. Okay, and alignment cannot cause a vibration. Alignment is going to make it pull right, pull left. It's going to make the steering wheel be off-center. It may do wear tires. It would do some stuff like that. But alignment is fixed with the car. It doesn't vibrate. What vibrates is something that's rotating, something that's turning. Oh, okay. And then oh, I guess I'll just keep trying. Yeah, just do those simple tests that I told you. And if you can't figure it out, give me a call back and let me know the results of the test. And I, we can go from there and find, figure it out. Okay. Well, well thank you. Thank hey, Lars, where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Antonio. Okay. San Antonio, Texas. Oh, very good. In fact, I'll be there in a couple of weeks. We've got some friends in, uh, uh, in Austin. Right? Yeah, we were driving through San Antonio to go to Austin. Wow. Well, <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, I would like to meet you, sir, if that's, if, <laughs> I mean, if, if that could be arranged, but. Well, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be in San Antonio and downtown around the Riverwalk area. Oh, okay. Or, I mean, if it's strictly, you know, if it's not for, you know, if you're not doing work, I don't want to. <laughs> that's a vacation type of thing. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's, it's just a little vacation, but yeah, send me an email and we'll see if we can't get together. Yes, sir. Uh, well, well, thank you so much, man. You guys are awesome. You have a really awesome website, really awesome shop. Like from yeah. what I've seen in the pictures, uh-huh. and uh, man, it, I really appreciate you guys taking my call. Uh, oh, you bet. Thank you so much. Okay, Lawrence, thanks for calling, man. You have a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Thank All right. you. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. Bye bye. Right, I think we got time for one more call for the break. We got David on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Yeah, I got a, I got a question about. I'm looking to buy a car. Okay. A used. Toyota mm-hmm. Camry or Avalon for my mm-hmm. 16-year-old daughter. Okay. And I'm wanting to get her something 
reliable and it's not going to give me much problems. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, how old is too old? What year should I should you know, obviously, later than I ate? Or? Well, I mean, obviously you want to get the latest model that you can relative to your budget. And certainly as the car gets newer, the price goes up. And as the miles get higher, the price goes down. So what I like to do on a used car is try to find a car that's relatively new with fairly high mileage for the years. And what that means is I would prefer to have, say, a 2013 model with 100,000 miles than I would a 2010 with 30,000 miles. Because higher miles brings the price down just like more years, but it doesn't damage the car very much at all. Because to get higher miles, it means it's probably been driven a lot, most likely on longer trips. So I want the newest year's relative to the higher miles that I can afford, if, if that makes sense. Both factors will lower your price, but I would rather have more miles and less years. Now, as far as how much is too old, I mean, I wouldn't want a car 20 years old simply because rubber and all starts deteriorating and all, but a Toyota 10, 12 years old wouldn't bother me at all. Okay, yeah, that was – I know you had said, you know, they made a lot of good cars in the they do. 2000s, but I didn't know if that was, you know, pushing it on the age – well, you're going to start to get into some issues because the age will get to them eventually. Rubber and stuff starts to deteriorate, starts to break down. But the biggest thing is go to my website and download a checklist of things to look for yourself. Check those things over, and if all those look good, then take the car to a trusted mechanic, have him inspect it before you buy it. Because Toyota Camry or Avalon are both good cars, but if this particular one has had something done to it, for instance, it's been overheated and blew the head gasket, and then they dumped some coolant and some stop leak in and went and sold it, you got to know that. You know, a good person going over the car could probably pick up on that, or if it's been wrecked right. and pieced back together. So even though that is a good car, and you can always notice the better cars are going to be the higher price car. You know, a Toyota generally will sell for maybe two to three thousand more than another car in the same year and mile range that's because people know right. they're good and yeah. you know it's just i like them i've had very good luck with them i think you overall they're, they're cheaper to go ahead and pay a little few dollars more and get that car rather than something that's less expensive right yeah and i noticed like the avalons even though they cost more new mm-hmm. they seem to be about the same they are used as a yes because it's basically the same exact car, same drivetrain, motor, transmission, just has more stuff on it. And more stuff means it's going to start breaking more down the road, and people know that. So, I mean, I would prefer to have a Camry myself, just because okay. it has less stuff to break on it. It's kind of like a Cadillac okay. or a Chevrolet. Basically the same thing, as far as GM makes them both. A lot of the same common running gear may have the same motor in them and all. It's just the Cadillac has more stuff on it than the Chevrolet does. Right. Which, when it starts okay. breaking, it's just more stuff to break and costs more to fix. So the Camry may be cheaper to maintain then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate okay, David. Show. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We've got to take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year 
for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big expensive problems down the road. And they go general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. In the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tills will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Should you happen not to get a live answer today or not want to give us a call? You can always go to the website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form, and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. And we had an email here that kind of ties into our last caller. And uh, Andrew had sent an email, and he was saying when he buys a car, used car, or a lot of times people go to buy a used car, whether it's from a dealer or a private sale, if it has an overdue timing belt, it needs a timing belt, water pump, tension, all that. He says a lot of dealers are reluctant to take that into consideration when you're negotiating. And that's an excellent point because if it's not proof that the timing belt has been replaced – it's generally not practical to try to figure it out any other kind of way because it's inside the motor. You'd have to disassemble the motor even to see it. And even if you see it, I'm not sure you could you tell. Can, yeah, right. I mean, if it was changed three days ago, I could probably look at it and say, yeah, it's brand new. But if it was changed 20,000 miles ago, I'm not yeah, sure you no could look at it, it and tell. And it would still be fine at 20,000 miles. However, if it's not been changed, it has 100,000 miles or seven years. That can be a pretty sizable repair. Sure. Particularly on some of the vehicles. I know like on some of the V8 engines, man, that can easily go up $1,300, $1,400. And that should be part of the consideration of buying a used car. Yeah, you have to figure that into your negotiations unless they've got invoices showing, okay, this timing belt has been replaced at this many miles. Or there's a sticker on the timing cover showing the timing belt has been replaced. A lot of times those don't get put on. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they either get put on well, and fall off. Or... Not all shops do that. Right. Some shops just don't put a sticker on time cover. They just don't care whether the next guy knows or not. I know dealerships are really bad because dealership generally expects you to keep coming back to them. They've got records. They say, well, we can tell them if it needs it. Okay, well, uh-huh. that's great. But if it goes somewhere else and the guy doesn't know, he's looking at no way to tell, he's going to tell the customer, hey, if it hasn't been changed, it needs to be done. And if the customer's not sure it's been done, he may get it done again when he doesn't need to. Exactly. Or he may overlook getting it done when he should. So it's. I always like the idea of putting a – and we buy a special little sticker that holds up pretty well. They do. They hold up real sticker, well. sticker, and we have trouble getting those sometimes. But put that on there, good permanent indelible marker, and put it right on the timing cover. That way you know right where to look Exactly. when you're thinking about a timing belt. But, yeah, if you buy a car and the timing belt has not been replaced – and Timing belts are kind of sort of being phased out. They are. More and more engines are coming with timing chains. I think the Honda 3.5 is the only one I can think of, modern engine that still uses a timing belt. But there are literally millions of cars out there that That still still have have timing belts. That still need to be serviced. Right. And the big thing with a timing belt is not only the 100,000 miles. Everybody sees 100, 110, whatever the number is on that particular one. But what they forget about is the seven years. Right. And the time, the seven years is more critical than, than the, the uh, than the miles, than the miles are. Yeah. Every timing belt I've ever seen break. 
it was not because it went too many miles. Right. It's, it's because, because it was old. It was old. Yeah, I, we had one come in not too, too long ago that was broken, and the car ended up going to the junkyard because it was an interference motor. Valves hit the pistons, tore everything up, wasn't really worth repairing any longer. Mm-hmm. But it was about 15 years old. Now, he right. only had 90,000 miles on the car. And he says, well, I thought it was good. Well, it is it was good, good for 100. 100, but it's not good for 15 years. It's exactly. good for seven years. And the years are worse on a piece of rubber. Sure. Than Just look at any other piece of rubber on a vehicle. Yeah, anything. Time. Work, tire or bushing or seat cover or whatever. It's going to break down over time. Now, one thing, too, that's kind of a misnomer. I think people think interference motor, non-interference motor, and they're safe because it's not a non, it's not an interference motor. Well, at that's any, really not true. It's not because at any point, any engine can be an interference motor. Under the wrong conditions, any engine can sustain damage if time belt breaks. Yep. So you can forget the non-interference interference thing. Just consider every engine an interference motor because if that belt comes off and wraps around that water pump shaft and breaks it off the front of the motor block, you got a big, big, big problem. Sure. Now the valves may not have hit the pistons. But you can still have an irreparable engine there. Exactly. Uh, if one of the idler pulleys gets yanked by the brakes off the engine, breaks the boss up the front of the engine block. Then it's an engine block, so yeah. it's considered a whole engine. Pretty much. So, yeah, you can kind of forget about the interference and non-interference, being one being safe and one not being safe. None of them are safe. you got to replace that timing belt. Very, exactly. very, very critical. Let's go back to our phone lines. Rusty, good morning, Rusty. How you doing, man? Doing good great. Morning. I got a question. Recently replaced the master cylinder on my front driver's side tire on my Highlander. Mm-hmm. And I've got a bounce in it when I hit the brakes. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you a little backstory. At once, I had a piston that was stuck. Okay. And that's why I had to change the caliper. But okay. before that, I changed the rope. Okay. And brake pads. And then I guess my question is, is there anything else I could check besides investing in New rotors to eliminate? Rusty, about 90% chance it's going to be a rotor causing the problem, and most likely the stuck piston just warped the new rotor. You know, if a piston is stuck, it's going to keep the brake pad applied, which is going to overheat the rotor, and rotor warpage is almost always a temperature issue. It got too hot at some point for whatever reasons, and that piston stays extend it even it doesn't have to stop the car just just enough to rub the pad against it. it's going to overheat the devil out of that rotor i mean you and can certainly you can certainly measure the rotor and tell and there's two factors on a rotor that cause shutter one is wobbling side to side what we call uh, radial run out that's one but even more critical is what they call the parallelism of the faces and there's those two faces on the rotor have to be parallel with each other within one ten thousandth of an inch and what happens if you got uh, something rubbed on and that doesn't become the case, it's going to push the things in and out, which is going to cause severe brake shutter. Okay. But almost in every case, the rotor is going to be the cause. And, again, you could have it checked and see, but whether you want to invest the money in paying somebody to check the rotors or not, rotors really aren't that expensive, and they're fairly oh, easy know. to change. But about uh, 99% chance that's going to be it. I mean, you, I like you rarely get something else cause it, but that, that's generally the exception and not the rule. Okay, now when I changed that caliper, mm-hmm. it ended up being two different calipers. Okay, that I have now is that a problem? Can in, be in some cases, in some cases it's not. It just depends on how the vehicle reacts to it. Yeah, uh, I like to change them in pairs because if one's bad, the other one's not far behind. Right, but I mean, if if money's an object and you're just trying to get it going, change the one and see what happens. 
yeah, a lot of times you can't get by with it. But like Brian said, if one's bad, they've both been down the same road. They same both fluid. stopped the same number right. of times, same fluid exposed to both of them. Generally, when one's bad, the other's not going to be too far behind. Okay. Well, I'm thinking this one went bad because the seal was broke on it. Yeah, very possible. It is, but again, why is the seal broke? Because it's dry hot. It or it got hot. Yeah. Or it got hot, and, and the same thing happened to the right. other one. So you know, it just matter what you want. I mean, as long as it doesn't pull on braking, that's going to be the first sign. If you hit your brakes hard and the car ducks one way or the other, that, then you know you got a right. problem, a mismatch problem. No, it's, it's not pull. It drives straight hit the brakes it's fine yeah it's just i've stuck. changed one yeah. before lots of times i'll just ask the customer in every case I'll, I'll just tell them what i just told you hey they've both been down the same road but again i understand money's money and if you want to try changing the one only one's bad right now and some people say well no do them both some people say do one i've done both ways and i've had good luck both ways okay all righty well i appreciate it okay rusty thanks for calling man thank you mm. all right thank bye-bye you. bye-bye all right two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you're part of the automotive hour you know, there are, I guess, some mechanics that would be a gas if you told them sure. you change one. But everything, I guess, a matter of degree, we've changed one of lots of components, and it worked out just fine. Right. Now, and in, you, in the same case, we've changed one and had a problem with the other side and later had to on. go back and do the other one. So long as the client understands that he is taking a risk exactly. to save some money. With risk, it doesn't mean you're going to lose every time. Anymore, it means you're going to win every time. Just like if you go buy a lottery ticket, it doesn't mean you're going to win. But it doesn't mean you're going to lose either. Mm-hmm. It's just the odds go up and down. And as long as the customer understands, hey, you're saving the money, you're taking the risk. Sure. You can't expect the shop to take the risk for you. Right. So and you, you can save the money. Yeah, right. You can't come back on the shop and say, hey, y'all just you worked just on my car, and, now, and now it's doing this. And a good shop will go over the paperwork again and say, look, see right here where we told you we put it on your paperwork? Right. You're taking the risk here for the profit? Right. So... This is where we stand now. And that's true of almost everything on the car that works in pairs, be it a ball joint or right. a shock absorber or anything else. Now, at high mileage, the shock absorber is a consumable part. If I had 100,000 miles, I'd never put one. No, never. But if I had 20,000 miles in the car and sure. one started leaking, I might try one, particularly if it's an expensive shock absorber. But again, you got to realize that if the car doesn't ride right, you're going to have to come back and change the other one. Exactly. And possibly at a higher cost because there was some combined labor. Uh, wheel bearings another very very common issue if one's bad chances are the other one could be bad but again some of those are, are pretty expensive they are, so they are very expensive you know if, if you and want to try the one as so long as you realize if you start getting the same noise on the other side it's you got to do wheel bearing. <laughs> <laughs> hey we got to take our second little break be right back with more in the automotive hour so lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go.
Welcome back. He's joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And we were talking, I guess, a couple of times today about different issues with cars uh-huh. and buying cars and that sort of thing. And we mentioned the fact about getting a car inspected Sure, when you buy it. And I think that is one thing I would never, ever purchase any type of car without having it inspected that being used or new really because uh, i mean if you've ever been to a, a dealership any mm-hmm. any dealership in your area walk in there and look what's in the service department mm-hmm. those are brand new cars on the racks well, a lot of times you've worked in dealerships sure. as, as well as i have and how many times new cars come in they're damaged one way or another and i've seen them not even back off the, right. the transport trucks before we end up getting in service shop and trying to correct whatever's wrong with it but to me a car that's been repaired is not the same as a brand new car exactly necessarily i mean although yes it is a brand new car it's just not worth quite as much to me as one that has not required any kind of repair Mm -hmm. so if i'm going to buy what i call a brand new car i want to get a brand new car (laughs) right a brand new car because i've seen where back in the day of course been many many years i worked in dealership but a car would come in you crank it up the engine's knocking Sure. So we just pull it out and put another engine. Or worse yet, have to rebuild that engine in the shop, depending on what the warranty specified. You know, you don't have a choice when you're a mechanic. You do it to tow. Uh-huh. But, yeah, we put a crankshaft, rods, pistons. And so long as the tech doing it was a very good tech and he did everything exactly right, that's great. But the average person wouldn't think they're buying a new car that's had the crankshaft changed and the rods changed and all that. And have hardly any way of knowing. Right. And with the amount of money you're paying for a new car, you might not – at the, at the prices of cars these yeah, days, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't want to say I was buying a brand new car that had been in the shop already. Yeah, it already been in the shop. Let's go to our phone lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a, an old one GMC Sierra. I just changed the rack and pinion in it. Yes, sir. And uh, my steering wheel is centered. It's not pulling. It turns real easy. It works real fine, except I notice when I'm making a, a turn, I don't have to turn as sharp as I used to before my front tires are squealed. Yeah. Is that indication of something? Not Most likely the toe is off on it, Al, because if the toe is off equally on both wheels, the wheel will be centered. It will not pull or anything, but it will start to squeal when you turn the wheels and will also wear the tires out prematurely. Yeah. That, I, I would probably at least get the alignment checked. Yeah. That is a big red flag for me. Anytime I get done working on one and the steering wheel is perfectly straight, I know something's wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> it ain't supposed you know, to be. because it's not supposed to be. <laughs> well, I'll quit congratulating myself and making an appointment. Yeah. Okay. It's, it would be cheap. It certainly yeah. be cheap insurance because it'll eat a set of tires pretty fast. Toe is very, very, very critical. For every eighth yeah. inch of toe you have, the wheels are going to drag forty feet sideways for every mile you drive. So oh, it's not going to take yeah, long to like, scrape a set of tires down. Well, I counted threads and I'm double yeah. one and everything. Thought I had it right. Well, and it, well, you probably it's got probably the, very close. You probably got the same side to side, but not necessarily right because the racks aren't exactly the same length. The threads aren't cut in exactly the same position. So even the, if you put everything exactly like it was before, it's not necessarily yeah. going to be in line. Right. And and really, if it's driving straight and the cameras and casters aren't off, it's just going to be a tow set anyway. Yeah. Be a minimal service. Right. Yeah. Okay, I do appreciate it. All, All right, right, sir. Thanks, Carl. Man. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, going back to the phone lines with Rob. Good morning, Rob. Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. morning. Look, I've got a 2006 GMC Sierra 4x4. Uh-huh. And, you know, the front sits a little lower than the back. And my friend told me I could get a, a leveling or a lift kit. It's actually a leveling kit is what they call it. It's just a spacer that goes in the front spring that lifts the front end up. The leg makes it level with the rear. 
The only thing about changing the height of it is you're going to have to have it realigned when you get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have springs in the front. Okay, torsion it's bars. got torsion bars. Okay. Yeah, well, that's even better. Drive. Yeah, you can adjust the torsion yeah. bars to pick it up. You know that little T thing? Or? Right. right. You but can now, crank. when you turn that adjustment, you are going to drastically change the wheel alignment. So, okay, so I definitely might, that was my question on yes, the alignment. Yes. Drastically change the alignment. I would bring it to an alignment shop and have him adjust it. Even though you could do it yourself, it's going to cost hardly anything to have them adjust it. They can get them exactly the same side to side relative to the alignment, and then they can reset so the alignment after. I might, I might not need the kit. No, that's not. And if you got torsion bars, you can adjust that up. I mean, within limits, you can't right. pick it up six inches, but you can definitely you can, raise it a half inch or so. Should be to level. Should be oh, enough to level well, it. Then I guess, I guess I need to return this kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I would never put any kind yeah. of kit in there that you don't have to, because anytime you put something like that in, you're asking for problems. And with torsion bars, if it's got long rods going back with the screws on the ends of them, yeah, that that is the adjustment. The four wheel drives normally have that. Well, I got a mechanic right here in Walker. There you go. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, man. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye. right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. You know, some of the earlier models actually had a coil spring in the front instead of torsion bar. Right. Yeah, they changed that up at some point. And then there are some vehicles out there that use either torsion bars or coil springs. Right. Not the Chevrolets, but some. Depending on the 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 suspension that they used on that particular one. I know we run across that. I think like little Ford Ranger trucks and stuff. Right. Some of them had coil springs. Others had torsion bars. And it's a different suspension, although it could be the same year model. It could be the same everything else. That's one of the options when you start looking the parts up. Right. Torsion bars or coil springs. We run that quite a bit. I've always liked torsion bars as a means of suspending the front end because all springs will wear in time, and the vehicle tends to come down because of the weight. But with a torsion bar, you can pick it back up. Right, very easily. Pretty easily. And that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because a lot of times people see that and say, oh, I'll just adjust these up. (laughs) And you don't realize how super, super critical that is. When you turn that torsion bar, I mean, if you turn it a quarter of a turn, you're probably going to put that wheel alignment. Oh yeah, you've, off you've the scale. definitely you've definitely changed it. Very very. All wheel alignment is based on height and level. Right height, because it you know angles, and when you start changing those angles, you're going to drastically drastically change sure. the wheel alignment. That's one of those things you don't want to find out the hard way. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you wear a first set of tires out, that's the that's the end result. That's going to be a very expensive first lesson. I remember back many, many years ago, we had a guy who, he had a truck and he had a set of tires put on it in Gonzales, which okay. for our people who are not in the Baton Rouge listing area, Gonzales is probably, what, 20 miles from Baton Rouge, Maybe. 25 miles. He had a new set of tires put on and they told him that it could not be aligned. He had hit something, blown the tires out, okay, brought it to the repair shop. They changed the parts out they could. And they put the tires on it, and they told him it could not be aligned. Right. That the toe was off about two inches. And so he calls me. He says, can you fix it? I said, yes, sir. I can diagnose and fix anything on it. I said, are you going to have it towed in? He said, no, I'm going to drive it. I said, well, I wouldn't. He said, well, I've already had it towed once. I said, well, I would not advise that. So here he comes. I can hear him coming around the corner. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And when he got to the shop, both tires were down to the card on the front end. On the inside. That's how fast yep. it ate two tires up <laughs> yeah oh it so, doesn't take much yeah you talk he started getting an inch or two off on tow because like well, I was an, telling, inch, an inch doesn't sound like a whole lot but it is when you referencing it to an alignment yeah absolutely. an inch is a whole lot well a lot. you're dealing in 30 fractions seconds of an inch. inch yeah just fractions of an inch and with tow as those tires go in and out and if they both go in and out the same amount ironically the steering wheel will stay centered sure 
and tow normally does not pull. It's going to still drive straight. So if it's not enough like the one we just talked about, like, for instance, in Al's case, uh-huh. where it, you just pick up maybe when you turn, you get a little bit of a squeal, that is off enough, even though the wheels center it and everything else, it can eat a set of tires up. You know, you take a set of 75,000-mile tires, and you can knock that down to probably 10,000 miles. Oh, exactly. Easily. So you can really, really, really lose quite a bit of money on your thing. It just That's one reason you need to get the alignment checked. Now, the other side of the coin is alignment is not a maintenance item. You don't have to get checked all the time. Right. It's as long as you don't have tire wear, your wheel center, and it's driving Stop. straight, then you don't have to fool with it. But, yeah, when you go in and you change something in that front end, it's probably a wise idea to, to get at least check. get a check. Hey, take our third quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hevoted Supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par, melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. I got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. Still got several minutes left in the show, so you got a question or a comment, you give us a call. We'll try take it. care of it. We'll definitely help you out there. And of course, if you're outside of Baton Rouge calling area, 225 on front of that number will get you right to us there you go couldn't be any easier than that we were talking just a little bit about wheel alignment uh-huh. stuff a, a tire wear ago, and yeah a couple of things you had mentioned right when you buy a set of tires it's wise to get your alignment done at the same facility mm-hmm. that way not only can the technician look at the tires coming off and decide whether the alignment, alignment, is the alignment is even warranted and if it is what condition what caused this tire wear mm-hmm. qualified alignment tech can look at it and say yeah that's toe wear even though when we check the alignment the toe is within the numbers well this particular vehicle needs a little less toe that's right. or a little more toe oh, and so see, it's an educated you bring up a good point and that is alignment is not necessarily one thing no it's, it's a range it's, of things it's not everything in the green i hear that just about twice a week right from, from people well somebody will say yeah it, it's in alignment but it still pulls well then it's not in alignment it's not alignment or there's another problem but you have maybe two degrees to three degrees is a reading for caster now just because it's in that range doesn't mean it's right correct not only does it have to be in the right position in the range it has to be right one wheel relative to the other right it has to be enough spread between them right and, and some require more some require less that's why you have trained alignment men if you could just go in our pe- people i guess i should say if you just go in and set everything to the numbers, but the car still doesn't drive right or still wears tires, then you have to custom tune this thing. In fact, ideally, you won't even get to a point where you have to come back for that. That's all done when it's done. Exactly. The tech is going to see the original tire, say, well, we had a little heavy wear to the outside. These numbers are within spec, but I realize that if I reduce the toe, I can reduce this wire. Or if I pick this camera up just a little bit, take or if I reduce this, this caster, I can reduce tire roll. I can get this guy the optimal 
amount of life out of his tires. So good idea to buy the tires where you get the alignment and vice versa. Another good thing about that is let's say you get a set of tires one place and then you go and get the alignment somewhere else and there's an issue with the tires down the road. Right. Well, first you bring it back to the tire store. I said, well, that wasn't lined right. That's why the tires did that. You bring back the alignment. I said, oh, no, that's a defect in the tire. So now well, you're kind of stuck between the two. You're stuck in the middle of it, and I guess you may have to get a third guy, try to get his opinion or her opinion, and see what's causing this issue. But you're in a much more vulnerable position than if you bought everything at one place, got it all done together. That way, if you got any kind of tire problem, you can go back. you got and, somebody to go back right. to. So I'm a big proponent of that. Get the tires where and get them mounted, balanced, lined, get everything done at one location. That way you've only got one guy to look at if there's any kind of issue. Yep. So Great advice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking to earlier about damage to cars that uh-huh. may not be immediately obvious and the need for having an inspection to the car. Right. And the first thing that comes to mind is let's say you've had an accident in your vehicle. You take it to the body shop. The body shop puts it all back together. It looks beautiful when you pick it up. Mm-hmm. But the first thing you notice when you get out on the road, either the steering wheel's not straight or it's kind of pulling to one side, that could be, it could still have damage underneath that is not visible. And ideally, in a perfect world, that would never happen. Exactly. The body shop fixes the car. The car is perfectly fixed and everything is great. But in the real world, those kinds of things, things do get overlooked. And I would say the average guy in the collision repair industry these days is probably head and shoulders above where they were 30 years ago. Oh, most definitely. There was a time 30, 40 years ago when a car was wrecked. It was really never quite the same. Mm-hmm. The paint didn't quite match. It wasn't as good as the original. The frame probably wasn't quite as straight as it needed to be and all that. But I think most of the shops today do a really good job on they that. They do. They do. They can paint match. I'm talking about where you can't. Most of the time, it's hard for a trained tech to see the to difference. To even see the difference. Not only that, but the materials they use are much better. Much. They've got the urethanes and all that hardened to a factory-type finish. And mm-hmm. it's just as good. It's just as durable. Most of them have sophisticated equipment. A lot of them have alignment equipment or have an alignment shop that they use yep. to make sure all that's done. But unfortunately, occasionally, things do go wrong. Well, and you get the the vehicle that was fixed in the guy's backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say he ran. Maybe he didn't go to a qualified shop. Well, he ran through a pothole and bent the frame. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to show up in the body work and the vehicle pulls. So you have to get those things checked. Right. And, you know, the signs of a problem after any kind of a, and when I say collision, I don't necessarily mean hitting another car. Because if you run anything. over a curb, that can be considered a collision. Sure. If you hit a big enough pothole in the road. That can be a collision. Alignment is such that you used to always hear, well, you, you, you hit a pothole and you knocked it out of alignment. No, you don't knock it out of alignment. Everything is threaded. It's fixed. You're not going to knock something out of alignment, but you can bend components. You can damage components. You can which, move things out of place. Which will cause the alignment which to be Which will out. cause the alignment to be off. But you're not going to just hit a hole in the road and knock it out of alignment. That just really doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Never, never really did. But you can hit a curb and have no obvious damage it didn't blow the tire out because a radial tire hitting straight on can absorb a tremendous amount of impact it can but you can bend the lower control arm you can bend the spindle you can bend the steering arm you can bend the strut lower ball joint yeah upper any, ball any, joint. any of the components yeah any part that bends is going to result in the alignment being off now the first things that you can start to look for if you get the car out on a straight road 
and you're driving straight and you let go of the steering wheel temporarily, the car should track straight. Now, no car is going to drive right from here to New York by itself. It just doesn't happen. But for a fair distance, it should drive. It should not noticeably pull one way or the other. Right. As soon as you let go of that steering wheel, it ought to keep proceeding in the in the straight manner. It shouldn't start off to one side. And most roads are going to be crowned they're going to cut towards wherever the ditch is mm-hmm. because if they didn't water wouldn't run off the road so no road is perfectly level it always leans towards wherever the drainage is generally going to be on the right hand side however have, some roads are in the center right if you're on one of those roads and you let it go it's going to eventually veer towards the right or veer towards the left depending on where the drains are correct i know like on airline highway when they widened it they took up the drainage they put the drainage in the center right so it's crowned to the left most people will come in and they'll say, well, my car pulls to the left on Airline Highway. So, well, does it pull to the left anywhere else? Well, no. Okay, well, that's not an alignment issue. Right. That is a road condition. They have set the alignment where it will drive straight on the majority of road surfaces. Because knowing that the road leans slightly to the right in the majority of cases, you generally will set the caster just slightly higher on the right wheel because caster is a non-tire wear angle. And that compensates for that. Or you may put the camber slightly higher on the left wheel to compensate for the road crown. It's not going to wear tires because it's still well within the range. It's custom tailored to where that car is going to drive straight on the majority of roads. And that's the key word, the majority of the roads, not every road. No, not any vehicle is going to drive perfectly straight on every road under every condition. If you have a big rut in the road and the tire hits that rut, it's going to go that way. Sure. Alignment can't fix that. It's not practical to even think about that. But... If it starts to veer one way or the other and never did that before, that's a sign of an issue, a sign of a problem. Yep. Another thing would be the steering wheel was perfectly straight when you drove straight. Well, now it's cocked maybe to 1101 or, or 1201 or something like that. The steering wheel slightly off-center when you're driving straight. Again, sign that's of a, a condition problem. condition needs to be addressed. Things like noises that weren't there before. Right. You turn the wheel now as a popping or grinding noise that was not there before. That would indicate a possibility of a problem. Yep. Vibrations that weren't there before, kind of like our first caller. You got a vibration, then you need to try to determine what things. Because there's lots of stuff that can happen. For instance, you got an engine sitting in there that probably weighs maybe a 1,000 pounds or more, depending on what kind of engine it is. The car stops short in a collision, and all that weight lunges forward. If the motor mounts are fairly weak, you could tear a motor mount. Now the engine's sitting on metal on metal, so you start to pick up a vibration. Exactly. All kinds of things can happen. Let's see if we can catch one more call before our time is up. we got Kelly online. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. I know you're short on time, so I'll make it quick. Sure. 2014 Ford Expedition mm-hmm. was having blower motor problems. Went and bought a factory blower motor, put it in, same problem. Mm-hmm. Come to find out there was a plug on a regulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little uh, module, speed speed yeah. module. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the plug was bad. Changed the plug, changed the module. The blower motor is working now, mm-hmm. but the, it will only run on all the way high for about 15, 20 seconds. shuts off. You turn it down two notches, it'll continuously run. Yeah, something is overheating, Kelly. That blower motor, did you put an original equipment motor? Did you get aftermarket? No, I put a Ford blower motor in. What I would want to do is I would want to check the amp draw on the blower motor because the fact that that connector was bad is generally an indication it's drawing too many amps, and that's what burned the connector up to start with. And it doesn't necessarily mean the motor is bad. It could be the squirrel cage is slightly out of line and dragging in the case. That will be revealed by checking the, the amperage on that motor. And that amperage ought to be down around 6 to 7 amps with the motor running. 
if that amperage is up around 15, 20, 30 amps, then you've got something else. Now, it could also be something like a restricted air intake to where the motor's having to work too high. Generally, it's going to show up on high simply because it's running faster, it's drawing more amps anyway. But that sounds to me like the motor is drawing too many amps, and that's what's causing these issues. So you're going to have to check it first. If that is the case, then you have to run it down and find out why. doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad motor. I mean, I've even seen where the case was slightly warped on it, and the blower, the squirrel cage was dragging inside the case. And it doesn't take much. You may not hear it. It may not make any noise. It may not vibrate. But it'll kick that amperage way up on the motor. Okay. Yeah, I'd swap the blower motor out twice because I thought maybe mm-hmm. I got a defective blower yeah, motor. Yeah, I'm but. thinking something else is, is causing it to draw. And, again, very simple test. Just put a milliamp meter on the leads of the motor, and you can see how many amps it's pulling. Okay. All righty. Uh, I do have you have one of those thank okay you, sounds great kelly thanks man bye-bye all right i see we're getting real close to being out of time i'll start winding on up I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week tell your friends go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service fill out the written view and send it in for us there you go we fill those reviews out it moves us up in the rankings so more people can listen to the show it always makes us feel good when we read our reviews there we, know we got a couple of real nice ones last week five-star reviews so wonderful Always happy to see that. Makes you feel good. Yep. (laughs) Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.